Well, if you don't, if you've never met me, you haven't had the opportunity to meet me, my name is, is Aaron, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Cedar Point Church, and, and I'm grateful to be a part of it. And um, as I've stepped into this role, um, which was a, a little over a year ago, I think 14 months ago, um, some people ask, you know, how'd you get here? Uh, where'd you go to seminary? That's always my, my favorite question, um, which I try to, to, you know, restrain from laughing at. Um, not that there's anything wrong with it. That's just not my story. Um, and so I'm grateful to be a part of this. And because I've had so many people kind of push me and push me and push me, you need to share, you need to share. Um, so here we are. It's been incredibly uncomfortable to self-promote in such a way for me. Um, not really, um, but... <laughs> Um, but but it, is, uh, it is one of those things. It was time. It was time just to kind of kick off. And, and I know b- bits and pieces of my story has been out there for a while. People have got to hear it and piece it together. And, and so I just want to lay it all out there for everyone. And so I am grateful just to share with you guys. And uh, if you're not here on a regular basis, I mean, come back next week too. We, we do messages. And uh, it's another church service for the week. And it's a great thing to be a part of. And it's a great ministry that God's given us. And so uh, we hope that I don't scare you away with my story. I hope that you guys enjoy it. But I'm grateful again that you guys are here. Um, but um, like I said, my name's Aaron. And I have my wife up here, Janelle. And uh, if, if you didn't know this, we have a lot of kids. I've actually brought a picture of my family in case you've never seen them before, possibly. Um, I, have, I have six kids. Maybe. There we go. Um, So I I have six kids that God's blessed me with. And you can see that I've done an excellent job of keeping them all alive as they've outgrown me. And so that's just pretty phenomenal. And so uh, the great thing about six kids is, you know, I can lose at least two and still have like a a good average. You know, that's like success. And so I like that. Um, That's that's the trick. You just got to have enough that you can you can make some mistakes and still turn out good. And I'm confident out of the six of them, at least one of them will possibly care for um, my wife and I in our old age. Um, But. I love them. I love them. And I love this picture, um, even though you really can't tell that I'm smiling, I am. And I'm, I'm really happy here. And uh, I love pictures because, man, it just captures a moment, doesn't it? And, and this moment, this is my sister's, uh, my older sister. She'd gotten remarried, and, and this is just a great moment. And so some things that you can't tell in this picture is, is all the work that it took to, to wrangle these stray cats and get them in line to all look at the camera and have a picture. And so um, pictures don't always capture everything. Well, for for instance, um, that, that's a man that, that's incredibly blessed. That's a man that a few short years ago um, wasn't sure where he would be in life, what direction he was going. That was a man a few short years ago whose family was incomplete, who was lost and, and broken and um, was a, a shell of a person who was completely, completely without direction in his life. And so that is a man that, that's experienced just the fullness of God's grace and God's mercy and God's redemption. And it's one of those things that when I look at that picture... It, it does, it brings tears to my eyes, that, that it breaks my heart to know that out of all the things that I've done, all the things that I've been through, that God could be that good, that good to give me such a great life. And so, you see, for a long time, um, I wasn't in church. Um, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't a part of this atmosphere. Um, this is not where my story began. You know, for a long time, I tried to write my own story, and I tried to take care of my own brokenness on my own. I tried to, to lift myself up um, with my own strength, and it, 
I didn't find out for many years just how incredibly insufficient that was. And to really, to really grasp my story, you've got to go back into the beginning. And, and I, was, I was born in 1986. That's one of the things that's wrong with me. I was born in the 80s, and so those were a mess. Um, I was a middle child of five. That's the rest of what's wrong with me. Um, I have all the stereotypical middle child syndromes. I like attention. I'm always right. Um, you know, those types of things. And nobody loved me. I don't know how those things work, but, um, you know, I just, I was just in this family. And so I brought some pictures from my childhood too. I want to share those with you guys. And so this is me just as a kid. Um, I don't, I don't know what my parents were thinking with some of the, the shirt choices there. Um, it was the eighties. It was, it was the eighties is, uh, you say, bring it back. No, don't bring it back. It was this awful, awful, awful time. Um, but I was, man, I was born to I was born to a pretty typical family, a pretty typical family. We were middle class to lower middle class. Um, we didn't have a lot. I grew up in Catoosa, Oklahoma, and like I said, I was a middle child. Um, my family, they were good. There was no drugs or alcohol. They endeavored to do the right thing, but they were young parents when they started, and, and they never really got their feet underneath them as far as raising us and, and managing five kids, which as an adult, I know what a task that can be, and so I understand and I sympathize, and, and so things were a bit chaotic and, and Things went awry from time to time. Um, but as I look at this picture, again, you know, pictures don't capture everything. Um, that kid, he looks pretty happy. That kid's smiling. Um, but what that picture doesn't capture is, is that kid's got a secret. Um, that kid, uh, for a long time, actually had been abused um, sexually. And I'd had my, my trust betrayed by somebody who was incredibly close to me. And somebody who should have been there for me. Somebody who should have protected me. Somebody who should have had my back, and, and instead, the exact opposite was true. And that kid right there put on a smile on his face every day, and he went out, and he played with friends, and he pretended like everything was okay. And on the inside, that kid was shattered. That kid was broken. That kid was dying. There, there was a battle raging on the inside. That kid had lost all direction. That kid had lost all value. And all I could do was to act crazy, put a smile on my face, and act crazy and put a smile on my face day in and day out. And I struggled day in and day out. And, and quickly, I began to lash out and I began to act different. I was a great student, um, but I was angry. Um, I, I began to vandalize things in, in our neighborhood. I began to shoplift at a grocery store that was close by. I would break into abandoned houses. I would tear things up. I would, I would just do whatever I could just to get rid of some of that rage, to get rid of some of that anger. And the last thing that, that I wanted to do, which the first thing I should have done, was tell somebody. And so I kept it on the inside, and I bottled it up, and I bottled it up, and I let it eat at the inside of me. It was like a cancer day in and day out as I struggled with this and as it went on for years. But eventually, I got some light, just a little glimmer through the clouds, and uh, my family circumstances began to change, and uh, due to some um, changes with my mom's work, we moved, and um, it was difficult. I'd been a part of the same community. I'd lived in the same neighborhood practically my whole life. I had the same friends. Um, there was security in that, even though there was a lot of brokenness in that, but, but it was comfortable, and so we began to move, and, and one of the best things that came about from that move was, was the fact that the abuse ended. So around 10, we moved from um, Rolling Hills in Katusa, and we moved uh, right outside of Muskogee to a little community called Hildale. Um, and there, um, that, that angry, that hurting, that, that lost boy continued to be angry 
hurting and lost, except now I was more alone than ever. As I'd, I'd lost all my friends. I'd lost everything that, that was comfortable in my life, everything that was familiar. And, and so there I was, again, without direction. I didn't know what to do. And, and we spent just a few years in this community, and, and I began to, to further go down this path that, that I wasn't quite sure where it was leading. I pushed the envelope more. Um, I began to bully people around me. I was angry. I started stealing more. I started lying more. I started manipulating more. I kept my grades up, so my parents thought everything was great. It's like, you know, what honor students is, is doing the things that, that I was starting to get into, you know? When the teachers would praise me, but everyone around me could begin to see these breaks of, of the things on the inside that were hidden, the, the, the darkness that, that was beginning just to break through. And so we spent a couple years there, um, and then my family's dynamic just kind of began to shatter. Um, my mom um, had lost the job that, that brought us there. And so for the few years where we kind of had this, this comfortableness about our finances and, and things began to look different in that aspect, that was taken away. And, and, and my family was, was depressed. Uh, they were kind of shell-shocked. Uh, and, and we found ourselves coming back to Katusa. And so um, as we come back, I was excited. I had this excitement about me uh, because we're going home. You know, home is comfortable. You know, my, my heart was there. Uh, this, my friends were there. The things I was familiar with was there. And, and I didn't realize, though, that the two years that we were gone, just the amount of damage that that secret had done to me, the amount of, of change that had taken place in my life, the, the amount of innocence that I had lost. And so as we begin to come back, um, at this time, I'm, I'm starting to become a teenager. I'm, a, I'm 11 or 12. And as we're, as we're coming back and, and I'm excited, I begin to interact with people I used to know. And, and I was like a stranger. That, that I, used, I tried to hang out with people that I was hanging out with, and, and we were into different things. And, and I'd push the envelope far past them. I was in a different place. I was in a different season. Instead, instead of coming home and, and having this, this comfortableness about me, instead of um, being welcomed with open arms, I felt more alone than ever. I felt more lost than ever. I felt more abandoned than ever. I felt more angry than ever. And I began to eat every lie that the enemy told me, every lie that the enemy told me that I would never be good enough, that I would never be loved, that, that, that I couldn't make it, all of these things. And I just began to eat them up and, and eat them up and, and eat them up. And, and so that first year that we were back here, uh, I, made, I made a decision that would alter my life forever. Um, and, and oddly enough, the first time that I used, I actually sought it out. Again, my family, they didn't drink, they didn't use, uh, they didn't do any of that. My friends didn't. I was back in a community. I didn't know anybody. And I began just to kind of search and seek. I was like, something's going to take this pain away. Something's going to make me feel okay. Something's going to make me feel like I can fit in. And so here I am, uh, just about a 12-year-old boy, and, and I began walking through this trailer park. I'm this trailer park, and I'm knocking on doors of where I know sketchy teenagers live. Weirdest thing. Um, <laughs> I know, as crazy as it sounds, that's what I did. And I was like, you got any weed? And, you know, after having the door shut in my face probably, you know, a dozen times, I found somebody who did. And uh, I remember the first time that, that I did that, I thought it was the greatest thing. That, that, that in that moment, everything was taken away. That I didn't care anymore. That, that I was happy. I remember laughing more than I'd ever laughed. And, and it was just this thing that, that I thought was so great. But as quickly as that feeling came upon me, it left just as quickly. And then, then I had to go back and seek again and search again. And, and what, began, what began at that time was a cycle. 
where, where I could never get back to that first moment. I could never get back to that first high. And, and I don't know about any of you, but I'm a, like, all-pedal, all no-brakes kind of guy. Like, man, drive it till the wheels fall off. And so very quickly, I began to move from, from just marijuana to, to prescription pills. And so um, some of the first pills I used was amphetamines, used to treat ADHD. And so within just a few-month period, I went from smoking some pot to taking some pills and to taking some more pills and to drinking. And so here's this teenage boy who's, who's beginning to get caught in this cycle. And, and I'm going from, from honor student to, to I'm struggling in school. I'm going to that have everything in front of me to um, darkness is closing in faster than I could ever expect. And within a few short years, I went from taking a hit of weed to lying in a hospital bed when I overdosed for the first time when I was 15 years old. Um, you know, you never set out to do that. Um, anybody who's ever experienced that, that's, it's never a goal. It's, it's never the end game. And, and what had happened to me is, uh, again, just things were eating at me. Things were, were hard. I, I was struggling. I was depressed. I was sad. I was lonely. I could never get those feelings back. I, I was using more and more and more. And, and one night, um, I honestly can't remember um, whether I was catching, chasing the next high or whether I just had had enough. Um, I had I'd used everything that I had, and then I went and wiped out my parents' medicine cabinet and um, ingested just basically everything that was in there. And uh, I had a friend with me that night. He was partying. He didn't partake in that. Um, but uh, as I'm laying in the floor having seizures and hallucinating and dying, um, he was trying to go to sleep real quiet so that he didn't get in trouble. But uh, luckily, God had his hand just on the situation that night. And <clears throat> my older brother kind of heard some commotion. And his sense that something wasn't right. And so he comes into my room as, uh, as I'm dying in the floor. And uh, he wakes up my parents. And uh, my parents had been oblivious to everything up until this point. They'd, they'd never realized that I'd used anything. They didn't know that I smoked. They didn't, they didn't know I did anything. Um, they didn't realize just the depth of the brokenness that I dealt with. And uh, so they come in to their 15-year-old their son um, dying in his bedroom floor, and, and they, they rushed me. Uh, they rushed me to the hospital in Tulsa, and uh, I don't I don't remember what took place. Um, I don't remember that night. Um, I do know this: I missed the Fourth of July that year because I remember being really t ticked off, ticked off. I, you know, see, I caught myself. Funny. Um, <laughs> thank you. <sighs> I remember being uh, really ticked off about that and having a conversation having a conversation with some doctors about what had taken place um, and, and what had happened. And uh, so there I am. And, and even at this point, I, I'd been actually in a coma for three days. Um, and so the, the hospital extent was, it was medically induced just for my health. And, um, and so as I'm under there um, and I'm coming out of that and everything's just a fog and I don't know what's taken place. And they're asking me all these questions and what did you do? Why did you do this? What's been going on? And, and, and all I know to do is lie. And I still don't want to share what, what the real problem is. And so I'm just spitting stuff out there. I was partying and I took it too far. I don't know. I mean, and I didn't know. And, and so they took me from the hospital to a treatment facility where I spent a, a few weeks in treatment and, and I continued to lie. 
die, and I continued to push people away, and I didn't want to have anything to do with sobriety. I didn't want to have anything to do with treatment. I didn't want to talk about my feelings or, or color them or whatever they wanted me to do. I didn't want anything to do with that. And so um, after, after they released me, they deemed me you know, not a threat to myself. Um, I remember I came home that day, and uh, what, what should have been a wake-up call, right? You know, here's a, a young man who um, no less than three weeks before um, had almost died, um, instead, I get home that day, and I get on landline back then, and I call my buddy up down the road, and, hey, you got anything? And so the very night that I got out of treatment, uh, the very first thing I did is I started getting high. That, because the only thing that, that I took away from that moment, the only thing that I took away th- from overdosing was the fact that I, my secrets had been exposed, and the only thing that that meant was I no longer had to keep anything hidden, that brakes are coming off. And we're going to drive it till the wheels fall off. I didn't care. I hated myself. I didn't want to live. I didn't want to be here. I didn't want anything to do with this world. I didn't want any part of it. And so the only thing that all this did was allow me to go full-fledged 110 miles an hour in the wrong direction. And so that's exactly what I did starting with that night. And, and I remember that night. Um, I remember it vividly because at this point, my parents were a little more aware. And so they were keeping a little better eye on me. And so for the first time, my, my parents caught me um, getting high outside. And I remember my dad just, he was so angry. Um, he didn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do with a kid like me? And he was dealing with these things. And he didn't understand. He'd never been a part of this world. He'd never been a part of these things. And I remember he was so angry. And there was this disappointment in his eyes. And, and I remember he yells at my friend and, and tells my friend to leave. And he's yelling at me. Um, he may or may not have picked up a chair and threw it at the other kid. Um, but... <laughs> And I just didn't know what to say. I loved my dad, but I didn't love me. And so I just, I just looked at him and blankly and waited till he was finished. And I went to my room. And from that moment on, just more and more and more and more. And I started using crank and meth and um, every pill I could get my hands on, whatever it was alcohol, it just didn't matter. Whatever would, would numb what was on the inside, whatever would begin just to erase what I was dealing with. And, and then I started driving, and then I started getting arrested, and then I started getting in illegal trouble. And, and I remember um, in, in 2003, um, that was the last time that, that I was allowed to attend a public school. And I remember I'd, I'd been arrested so many times, and just things had taken place, and I'd, I was dealing at this point, and so I'd distribution and, and these things like that. And, and I, remember, um, I remember being told that, um, that you know, I'm never going to be allowed back at my high school. Um, the school that I wanted to come back to, the place that I wanted to. And uh, the funny thing about 2003 is it's a few years shy of when I was supposed to graduate. And so I didn't have a prom. I didn't have a graduation. Um, I didn't get to do any of those things. Um, Instead, um, I found myself in, in military school you know, prior, any of you are familiar with that, it's Thunderbird. Um, 20 years ago, it was fairly intense, I don't know about now, but um, so I, here I am, I'm this lost, I'm this broken young man, I have no direction, and uh, kind of my parents' last-ditch effort is, they just ship him off, just Somebody's got to do something. Um, I know the court systems had told me that they would expunge everything that, that I got in trouble for, for, for going through this. And, and so that's where I went. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't think it would do anything. 
I didn't think it would impact my life at all. I didn't expect to walk away with anything except like a clean record so I could get it dirty again. And, and so that was my only motivation. Um, and so I went and I stuck it out. And as I'm there, um, they made you PT a lot. That's exercise. Um, I don't like to exercise. I still don't like to exercise. And uh, on Wednesday nights, though, you had an option. You could exercise or you could go to church. Um, being a smart man, I chose church. And so <laughs> this bus would come pick us up, and it would take us to this little church. And I had never really been to church much. We went some as a kid. Um, we were Christian, as in most people that were in Oklahoma back then were Christian. And we showed up at Easter. We showed up at Christmas. And so I really didn't know what any of this was about. I didn't know what was going on. Um, but, but I knew this. I kind of liked it. You know, it was great. I didn't have to exercise. These were all win-wins. They gave us candy. We really weren't allowed to have sugar while we were at the, um, at the other place. And so this was great. And uh, something began to happen. I remember they gave me this Bible. I still have that Bible today. I still never, have never read that Bible to this day, but I keep it. Um, but I remember making a decision one day there um, as, as the pastor there was talking. And, and, uh, and I, wanted, I wanted to know about this Jesus guy, and I wanted him to live on the inside of me. And I remember um, just thinking, well, it's, it's, maybe it'll be better than hell. And, and so I made that decision, and, and I had no idea what it meant, and I had no idea what I'd done. And so I went on about my life. I graduated. Um, but what had happened in that moment is a seed had been planted on the inside that, you know, I did, I'd, I'd given, given God's Holy Spirit access that that I could no longer be content in my life from that moment forward. And so as I went back home, um, I remember graduation night, again, drive it till the wheels fall off. Me and my buddies were partying. We're right back into it. Uh, within a few months, I'm back into dealing. We're living in a new place at this point, um, Claremore. So um, this is where I moved after military school because things had gotten so bad for me in Katusa and they were harassing my family, stuff like that, that, that we ended up here. And, and so I'm doing the same things, new community, fresh start, Cops out here don't know who I am. These were all win-wins. Um, but, but I wasn't happy. Like before, like I could do these things and, and I could push the envelope and, and I could be okay with it and I could look at myself in the mirror. And then I was coming into these moments as time's going on that, that I'm more discontent and, and I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with who I am. I'm not okay with the direction I'm going and, and I'm becoming discontent and I don't know what it's about. And I don't know what it's about. And so as I'm just doing these things and I'm trying to live my life and, and I'm, I'm trying to use and, and even though I'm pushing past all this uncomfortableness and I'm using more and more and more and more and more until one day I meet my first wife. Um, I was actually a um, little gas station over here across from Come and Go. Um, I was selling drugs out of there. Um, kind of sketchy situation I had going. Um, so um, that's how I met my son's mom. And so... Thought it would be a great marriage. Here we are. We're, we're teens, 18, 19 years old, and, and we decide that, that this is going to be great. This is going to fix everything. Kids will fix everything. Relationship will fix everything. Marriage will fix everything. Um, that'll, that'll give me purpose. That'll give me guidance. That, that'll give me something. And so um, I go full-fledged into this, and, and this is what I'm going to do. And so we begin to get married, and, and I decide to get sober. And for me, that meant no hard drugs, just weed, lots of booze. So just sober life, you know, I'm going to walk out that sober life. And uh, oddly enough, my, my marriage ended after the first year, uh, you know, big surprise there. Um, it wasn't built on much, two kids that, that didn't know what was going on. But, but one thing did come of that, um, my son, my, my oldest son, 
um, Andrew. He's 14 today. And uh, and it's funny what God can use. Um, you know, children are a gift from God. And, and even though I was doing all the wrong things and, and the situation wasn't ideal and um, the, the marriage wasn't, um, wasn't right and, and the things that, that were taking place um, could have been a heck of a lot better. Um, God, God gave me a child, and that, the child did something incredible. That child allowed me to love for possibly the very first time. I didn't love my parents, didn't love myself, didn't love my siblings, didn't love my friends. But when that baby was born, and I just remember just this broken man that I was, looking at this little life that I would created. And just God used that to shatter things inside of me. And I just get that picture of the Grinch where his heart began to grow. And God began to grow this, this thing inside of me where I love this boy. And I wanted to give him all the things that I'd never had, the life that I'd never had. And I, and I wanted to be better. And I wanted to do better. I wanted to change. I didn't know how. <clears throat> and so um, after my son was born, it was no drugs, no drugs. I wasn't walking the path. I, I got a real job, <laughs> like started pursuing a career. <laughs> um, I couldn't kick the drink, though. Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't not drink, and, and a lot of it was I justified it. You know, it was okay, it's legal, and uh, man, that just, it held on to me for such a long time, and um, a few years down the road, as I'm, I'm still very much an alcoholic, and I'm, and I'm struggling, and... Um, I ended up, I, get, I got arrested um, as an adult, first time as, and as an adult. And this was uh, in 2009. My son was about two years old. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty redneck. I like guns. Um, so I had a, I had a DUI. Um, I had a lot of guns in the car. Um, some of those violated federal law. Um, <laughs> I don't do that anymore. So <laughs> get your tax stamps, people. Um, but so here I am. Um, in 2009, and I got arrested for a DUI, felony, possession of a firearm. Um, the one that really was sticking me was a, a sawed-off shotgun. And, uh, you know, the, the state at first was trying to get the ATF to pick it up. They didn't want it. But, but I, was, I was facing five years. Um, my son was two. And in five years, he can be seven. And I, I didn't want... I don't want to go through that, and, and I'm struggling, and again, I don't know what to do, and so I'm just trying to pick up these pieces, and I managed to get through the court system. I managed to um, get on the other side of that, and, and I'm on probation, um, but I'm, I'm reevaluating life. You know, I just, I don't know what to do, though. I don't know where to go. I didn't know places like this existed. I didn't know what the church was. I didn't know who God was. You know, I, I didn't know that, that there was a place that I could turn and something I could be a part of, and so I'm out there just trying to do it on my own, and I'm still dealing with all the things on the inside side. I'm trying to, to drown all the pain and all the things that, that I didn't share. And, and so I'm out there. And, and I remember it was, uh, I think it was 2012, early on, um, I found myself, uh, no, 2011, I actually found myself without a place to live. Um, and uh, for some of you in the room that, that I've walked you over to this Claremore Motor Inn and, and we've bought you a room. Um, I was one of those people one time without a place to live um, 11 years ago. I burned bridges with family. Nobody wanted me around. Friends didn't want me around. And my parents, they were going through a hard time. And, and so I find myself homeless. I remember walking up to the, 
the second floor, thank you, the second floor of uh, the Claremore Motor Inn, uh, room 201. And uh, I've got my son with me. He's a couple years old. And just, he's having a great time. And I am ripped to shreds on the inside because this kid that I loved, that I wanted to provide for, that I wanted to do better for, uh, I was failing. I was still failing. And why was I failing? I quit getting high. I quit doing these things. And, and I was still so lost and still so broken and still so all alone. And, and I just remember it's like I'm never, ever, ever going to find myself in this situation again. And so 2012 rolls around and... Um, I'd gotten a new relationship because I still thought that that was the answer. Women were the answer. Booze were the answer. Sex was the answer. And so um, I end up uh, with another child. Um, I wasn't married to, to her mother. Um, but again, my heart broke when she was born. And my life was a total wreck. I was such a loser. I had nothing. I couldn't hardly pay my bills. Couldn't hardly eat. I always had money for alcohol. I don't know how that worked, but... Nothing else. Nothing else. And so here I am. I'm with two kids. I'm single. I'm living in a trash apartment. I've got roaches. I have nothing. I work for minimum wage. And all I know is I just can't stand this life any longer. Can't stand it any longer. And so I began to search for something different. And I began to think about some things. Um, one of the things I, I began to think about was the church kids in school that I bullied um, and how they were great kids, and that was why I picked on them. Um, and I was like, I want my kids to be those kids. Like, I don't want them to be me. I want them to be the kids I was bullying. And so I was like, man, all right, maybe, maybe church is a place. And, and then I remember, to, remember um, thinking about Thunderbird when I was in military school and, and just that atmosphere that this broken teenager was welcomed. That, that they invited me in, that they loved on me, that, that they, they journeyed with me. And so I started searching for churches, and I started going around, and it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a place that's for me. I'm going to find a place that's for me. And I was working for a screen printing place um, actually here in town uh, several years ago, and uh, th this church, um, Cedar Point, had everything printed there. And uh, there was a gentleman named David Brace. He's still a part. He's part of staff still. With, I get to work with him now. Uh, he was the very first person to ever invite me here, ever invite me here. And he said, you know what, uh, you should come to church sometime. And I thought, like heck am I doing that? Um, and I remember turning him down. But again, it's a seed. Man, God's funny about that, planting those seeds, putting them in there. And so I, I tried different places. I, I went around, and, and I never really felt like I was at home, and, and I was always discontent. And, and eventually I started showing up here um, Funny, funny thing, first time I, I came to this place and actually stepped in the doors, a buddy of mine was um, doing community service. It was as the church had just started to move into this area many, many years ago, and um, I dropped him off for community service, and, then when, and I was drunk when I did that. And then when I came to church here the first time, the only way that I had the courage to really step through these doors was, was half-lit, and um, it's just crazy what God does. But the first time I came here, just... I was intoxicated, I was alone, didn't know I was here, but, but I knew this, that, that man, Christians would help me with my kids, surely they would help me with my kids, surely they would love, with, love on them and, and help me to teach them 
like right from wrong, like all the things that I didn't know, how to love people and, you know, how not to screw up your life as much as I screwed it up. And so I started attending and I started showing up um, and that was in 2012. And, and as I'm coming here, um, I, start, I start to kind of like it, but I'm still not real sure about the whole church thing. I'm not really by, bought in, you know, and, and I'm just here for my kids. Um, and then in 2013, I started a business um, and I, I decided that I was going to start selling pens and doing window decals and, and all the things that churches bought and other people bought too. Um, but, but the church kind of had this policy, um, more unspoken than anything, that there's a preference for people who attend um, when it came to purchasing the things that I was selling. Um, it's funny how they get you. Um, <laughs> so as I... As I start my business in 2013, I immediately became a church partner. Um, so I became a church member in 2013. Again, I know that because my main motivation was my business. And, you know, I was like, my kids can go to church. They can grow into decent people, and I'll make money. I'll get out of poverty. It's going to be great. And so I, I would show up. And what that began to do is it began to create accountability because I dealt with a lot of the ministries here. I sold them things, and, and I would come up here. I was involved a lot with, with stuff outside of Sunday. And the funny thing is people started to notice when I didn't show up on a Sunday. Right. And so then I'd get a phone call. Hey, Aaron, we missed you. Oh, I'll be there next week. You know, please don't buy your stuff from somebody else. Um, and, and so that's what I did. And, um, and then about a year in or so, I started serving. Um, it got me again. And uh, it's like, hey, you're doing a good job with this. They had me serve with something back then. We called it Creative Team. And um, they had me kind of help with, with planning stuff. And again, my heart wasn't there. My motivation wasn't there. I still wasn't connected. It wasn't clicking yet. But, but again, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be a part of it. You know, my, 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 my kids like it. And my bank account likes it. These are all good things. And so here I am. I'm doing that. And then I started serving in the three-year-old's room. That was the first time I served with kids. It was awful. It was awful. Um, it was so bad. Um, I thought it would be great because my daughter was three at the time, um, as we're, kind of, we're around there. And so she got to come in with me. My son helped me. Um, but it really just started to make me not want to come at all. I'm like, <laughs> like, oh, is the money really worth having to serve in the three-year-old room? Um, and so rather than leave the church, I decided to have a conversation. It's like, you know, I can't be a part of this. And um, at the, about that same time, um, Funny thing was happening, my son wanted to go to church camp, and so I ended up going from the three-year-old's room to our children's ministry, um, our kindergarten to fifth grade, and, uh, and the way that happened is I went up to the children's pastor at the time, I was like, hey, my son really wants to go, he doesn't like to be away from his dad, so I'm going to go with him, and she goes, well, no, you're not, what do you mean, no, I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to volunteer, it's like, well, you have to serve here and be a part of this ministry if you want to go with your kid, got me again, um, so... So that, that's what I did, because uh, I, I don't love me. Um, I'm a drunk. I'm a womanizer. I'm still empty. Um, I'm still not buying in, but I really love my kids. I really loved my son, and it's like, I can do that. And so I started serving in the children's ministry and just kind of showing up and being a part of that, and, that, and then church camp comes up. And um, I remember that summer, first time going off with kids, uh, by far the most impactful thing spiritually that's ever taken place in my life. Um, 
Because here I was with kids that were the same exact age I was when I was abused, that they were the same exact age I was when my life got off track, um, when things started to fall apart, where I didn't know what to do, and so I, I began serving, um, and, and here I am. And God begins to, to grow that heart a little more. God began to reveal himself. And, and I began to think back to just different moments where I could very visibly see God's hand on my life. And God started working on me and working on me. And I started to become so bought into serving and being a part of this church. And I still didn't quite get the walk. And I still didn't understand the Bible. And I still didn't read the Bible. And I didn't know what I was doing. But, but I, I kept showing up. And I kept showing up. And I was learning. And the kids, I mean, I didn't go to church. And so these Bible stories, I mean, they're impacting me. And then they're growing my knowledge. And, and I'm around my son. And then I'm building relationships with other kids. And I remember the first time a kid out, and just out in the community, it was like, hey, Mr. Aaron, how you doing? And ran up and hugged me. And, and it just tore me apart. Like I was a part of something. I was a, a part of a family. That kid loved me. And not just my kids. Somebody else's child had a heart for me, cared about me, and, and wanted to be with me and talk to me and hang out with me. And, and I was sucked in. And I, I showed up and I came to one service, every other service, and I served with kids. And I was in there and God kept just moving and growing and moving and growing and I was learning and I started becoming more and more bought in and the church kept growing and my responsibilities kept growing and things kept taking place and my heart just for God began to change and I began to be so discontent with my double life because I was, I was so one way here and so a different way all through the week that, that there was this conviction. It wasn't shame. It wasn't guilt. It was just like, you just can't do this. And I began to understand what God had, had done for me and what he'd been doing for me that, that I came to this place where I just couldn't live my life anymore. And I remember I was around 30 years old. And I remember that because I looked back. And first off, I never thought I would live to be 30. I had no plan for my 30s. Uh, I didn't think that I would be here. And I remember thinking, I've spent 18 years as an addict, I spent 18 years lost and broken and, and without a family and not knowing who I am and not knowing my purpose or, or why I'm here or what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and I remember just reconciling then that, that enough is enough. I don't want to keep doing this. And, and I began to, to put everything down and put everything down, everything. No more women, no more alcohol. Stop smoking, stop dipping. I started just putting things down and changing my life. And at the same time that I'm, I'm really pushing for something different and that I, I don't know what God wants me to do. I just know for the very first time that there's something beyond 30, that, that there is a plan, that there is a purpose, that there's something to live for, that, that I can be a part of. At the very same time, God begins to bring um, someone very special in my life. And um, it was July of 2017. And I know that date because... It was so, so profound that right from the get-go, I knew that would be my wife. <laughs> and I remember putting it in my calendar. But um, God had done a work in my life, and, and God brought me uh, Janelle, and so she was showing up, and so she'd been invited. Again, that power of invitation. She'd been invited here um, by my friend, Sonny Payne, who's right here. And, um, 
and she was coming into my life, and I'd met her kids. She had four beautiful kids, and because I served, because I was faithful, every Sunday she showed up, I was at the door, every Sunday, not just for her. I was, I was here for the church. <laughs> that was just a bonus. That was just a bonus, and so she would show up, and God begins doing this work, and um, unbeknownst to me, um, her and Sonny were kind of scheming some things, not letting me know what was going on, and I remember getting this phone call. I coached soccer around this time, and uh, they asked, or she asked if I would help one of her sons, because his dad wasn't really around, and um, help, help get him ready for the soccer season, and so this is July. It's the first time that, that we really hung out or talked outside of, hey, glad your kids are here. Um, in, in July, and so we did that for about a month, getting him ready um, for soccer, and then one month later, I wrote this date down too, because it was, it was so important to me, um, but August 23rd, or August 20th, 2017, um, one month later, uh, I asked, asked her to date me. I said, like, will you date me? And uh, August 23rd, she said yes. She waited three days. Um, <laughs> I was such a catch that um, she had to just really weigh her options there. And, uh, and then October 29th, um, and if you guys are doing the math, that's not very long from July. Um, I, I asked her to be my wife. Down in the kids' room, where God changed my story. Where, where God introduced me to my wife. She, she was serving with me. We were in there. <clears throat> and at the end of service, um, because I kept trying to pull her aside, but she thought I was trying to flirt with her in the middle of kids' service. And she wasn't having any of it. And so once I finally convinced her to kind of step away with me, again, on October 29th, I asked her to marry me. Um, and it's just it's incredible what God does. And December 16th of that same year, uh, we got married. And... One of the greatest days of my life is God just. <clears throat> and this, this is a picture of us um, on, our, on our wedding day. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it really was just one of the happiest days of my life. And, and God had, had done so much. He'd done such a work in me where this broken individual who felt that he couldn't be loved, that he was unlovable, that, that he could never have a family. I remember wanting a lot of kids, but I'd screwed up my life too much. I was like, there's just no way. There's no way that, that I'll ever have the family that I wanted. And, and she was in a place of brokenness where she's like, there's no way a man will ever want me with four kids. And, and so God ended up orchestrating things and bringing us together where the family that I always wanted, I got one plus. I wanted five and I got six and, and God is so good. And, and I was finally able to, to love myself and, and to grow and, and just to really see God's goodness and to really see God's hand on my life. And a couple weeks after we got married, um, just some things that opened up here at the church. And um, January 2018, my wife and I, we came on staff here um, as a part of a church leading the children's ministry. And it's just amazing what God does. I mean, again, these were the kids. They were the same age as me. This is where my story got broken. This is where I got off track, and, and I got to spend every week 
loving these kids and serving these kids and ministering and leading in a place that, and if you'd asked me a few years ago, I, I would never be, I would never be good enough. I'd never be qualified enough. But, you know, I learned that, man, God's grace and God's mercy is good enough. And so we came to a staff position then. Um, March 26, 2019, um, three years ago, it was the very first time I stood right here on this platform and I, I gave testimony very similar to this um, where I was able to share my story. Um, and it was just incredible. And, and God began to do a work on my heart then where, um, where I wanted to be a part of this. And shortly after, I started showing up here on, on Monday night and, and serving. Jill and Caleb were a part of the ministry here, and, and they led. And, and I just wanted to show up, and I just wanted to serve, and I just wanted to be a part of this. And, and so we started showing up. And then um, July 2020 uh, was the very first time that, that I got to come kind of full circle and, and preach a message to adults where I'd sat in the room out here just a few short years before, as Pastor Rick gave a message that God began to use to impact me, um, I got to come full circle and do that same thing. It's just, just amazing, just amazing to me. <clears throat> September 16th, 2020, um, that's the day my family became whole. Um, it was in the middle of the pandemic. It was a hard time for a lot of people that first year. Greatest day of my life. I got to adopt <clears throat> all four Janelle's kids. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and again, just, and God's so good. As we lean into him, he just continues just to get better and better and better. And then December 2020, just a few months after that, um, God opened the door where I began to... I got to lead here and just become a part of, of this week in, week out, and, and journey with you guys and, and just be a part of this and love on you guys. And, and, and I, love, I love the guy that I am today. I love what God's done for me. Um, I brought a picture of that, so um, maybe we got that. The picture of me alone, Brandy. That, that's, that's who I get to be today. <laughs> And I show you that for a couple things. One, just kind of break the tension and help, help deal with my tears. But this guy loves life. Amen. Loves life. Amen. Day in and day out. I have bad days. I have bad moments. But I love life. I never thought I could love life. I enjoy life. I enjoy a family that, that loves me most of the time. Uh, I enjoy you guys. We get to be a part of something great. And I, I never thought... I never thought I'd live to see that age, this age. I never thought I'd be here. I never thought I could have a real smile. Like, there's, no, there's nothing behind that that I'm masking or hiding. I get to lay it all out here every week for you guys and, and just and journey with you. Um, and then one last picture for you guys. Um, again, he just brought me my beautiful wife and, and family. And, and um, <laughs> And I'm just grateful. Smiling again. Huh. Smiling again. And I'm just grateful for, for what, what God's given me and, and just to be able to journey with you guys. And um, I'm grateful for tonight. Um, as we close, though, tonight, there's, there's a couple things. I know it's a little different than we would typically do on a testimony. But um, as we close tonight, my, my story was changed because I gave access to a very real God that 
that I was able to journey differently um, because I began to, to cement and, and to realize that, that I'd been saved if I would just accept it, that, that I could be redeemed if I would just accept it, that, that my story wasn't finished yet, that there was someone out there that could rewrite it. And so as we close tonight, here in just a moment, if you're in here and you're like, hey, Pastor, and I want, I want some of that, like, <laughs> I'm tired tired of living this way. I'm tired of being broken. If you're in here tonight and, and you'd like to give your life to Jesus, if you, would, if you would like to take that first step to make the greatest decision that you could ever make and come into a relationship with Jesus, at the end of service, we're going to have some, some people up front and we would love to pray with you and for you so you can begin that journey so that you don't have to stay stuck in, in brokenness lost in shame, lost in guilt. Your story can begin to change tonight if, if you're willing to take that first step. And so we want to encourage you to do that. If you're in here and you've done that before, you've made that decision, but maybe you've gotten off track and, and God's just speaking with you tonight and you realize, you know what, man, it's time to change course. It's time um, to, to realign myself with what God has for me. If you need to recommit tonight, again, at the end of service, we'll have some people up front. We would love to pray with you and for you just as you recommit, as you get back on track. And then lastly, if there was something that was just kind of pressed into your heart that, that you need to deal with, like your relationship with God's good, but there's just some brokenness or something that, that God's brought to your attention that you need to begin to lay down, that you need to begin to set aside. At the end of service, we'll have some white chips up here. And again, if you'd like to come down, we would love for you to pick one of those up. And what they are, it just, it's just a symbol where, where you know, man, I've laid that at the foot of the cross. I've given that to Jesus. And there's a blank space. You can write down today's date. You can write down what it is, any, any of those things. And then lastly, if you're in here tonight and you just need prayer, we would love to pray with you. It's a house of prayer. We want to journey with you in prayer. So if you're in here tonight and you just want somebody to step up and just cry with you, to hold you, to pray with you, whatever it is, we would love to do that. And so as we close tonight, man, if you guys would stand to your feet and join us for worship.